0: Welcome to the Food and Beverage Insider Podcast, the source for the latest ingredients, formulation, supply chain, and regulatory issues affecting healthy food and beverage product innovation. Today's host is Judy Bizzazzaro, Editor-in-Chief.
1: Hi, I'm Judy, and welcome to another edition of Food and Beverage Insider Podcast. With me on the phone today, I have Kira Dilly. She is the Vice President of Marketing, Transform Brands, and Portfolio Innovation for Frito-Lay North America. And Sashi Chandran, she is the founder of Tea Drops. And we're going to talk today about a topic very near and dear to my heart, which is bolstering female entrepreneurship in the food and beverage space. Thank you today for taking time out of uh, your busy schedules to talk about the Frito-Lay inaugural Woman Made Challenge. Uh, It was originally supposed to be live finalist pitch slam at Natural Products Expo West, but it was postponed, unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 outbreak. The challenge, which awarded $100,000 in business grants to three female entrepreneurs, was carried out virtually last week via Zoom. And Tea Drops was the first place winner. So a huge congratulations to you, Shashi. Thank you so much. And again, thank you ladies for being with me today. Let's just dive right into it with Kira. Can you talk about what inspired PepsiCo and Frito-Lay to support women-owned businesses in this ultra-competitive food and beverage space?
0: Sure, I'd be happy to, Judy. For us, we are a company that has long been committed to bringing out great snacking and beverage products to the world. But more and more, as consumer trends are changing and consumers are looking for more healthier options to include in their overall diet, we've been investing more and more in growing our portfolio of healthier snacks and beverages. And I'm lucky I get the the opportunity to lead that healthy snacking portfolio for North America. And as we've been engaging in looking at the landscape and how we make our products healthier, how we bring new innovations to market and indeed how we look to invest in or indeed acquire healthier snacking companies, we've been working hugely with the amazing group of entrepreneurs and in particular female entrepreneurs in this space because they are the ones that are really driving the growth and driving the progressiveness and really innovating at an incredible rate in the healthy snacking space. And we have been inspired by them, we have learned so much from them. And as we built our connections with them, we realized, hold on a second here, maybe there's a way for us to lean in even more and use the amazing resources we have at hand to actively support them, encourage them, help them to grow, and in particular, help them to overcome some of the barriers we face. So this has been a journey that's been going on for a number of years as we work together with female founders in the healthy snacking space. And we're very proud of the collaborations and and we hope we're we're learning and we're getting better as time goes on.
1: I think that that's great. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, really what are the biggest obstacles women face when starting up a CPG brand?
0: Yeah, you know, it's a challenging space for anyone, man or woman, um, to move into this space. But I think, unfortunately, we do notice that female entrepreneurs face even more hurdles. And it's interesting. I find that as I look at the hurdles female founders face in this space, many of them are similar to the hurdles that women face day to day in in corporate America. And one of the biggest ones is funding. Uh, We know that in 2019 in the U.S., only 3% of VC funding went to female entrepreneurs. And of that, only 0.2% went to women of color, which is a pretty sad statistic in today's day and age. So funding is a massive gap for, for female entrepreneurs the other areas are mentorship we know that women thrive on the support of others from communities from mentors from those who can advise and coach them and that's something that women just aren't getting as much access to and maybe aren't asking you know as as overtly for that support and finally expert advice closely linked to mentorship women are often lacking in those support networks they maybe don't haven't worked in the industry before they don't know where to start they don't know where to look for it they're quite humble when asking for help and support so that's a big gap Um, and and I think those are the three areas that we see again and again when we speak to women are the ones that they're looking for more help on and when you look at the funding one it really is incredibly stark because the majority of money coming into the space to help small startups is still coming from the VC world. So we're supporting women by, help, by, by giving them access to funding, but also by pointing them in the right direction as to the many areas that are now available as to where to get funding, alternative sources of funding from VC. But also we're doing a lot more work with the VC community to really put them under pressure to say, you know, this isn't good no. enough. You need to be supporting more diversity. And they are waking up to that. And we're starting to see some positive changes. So I think those are the three key challenges that that we know female entrepreneurs are facing today.
1: Sure, absolutely. And then what tools are out there right now to help them succeed? Are there enough tools? And what are companies such as yours doing to, to really help make that more of an even playing field.
0: Yes, I mean, there. it does hearten me, Julie. There are more and more resources and facilities available. One, because more and more people are aware of the inequality and they want to do something to address it but also because more and more people are recognizing the entrepreneurial space as, as a place that, you know, really is is um, important for the future of our economy and are leaning into support. So there are many networks and platforms. We work with many of them, for example. And these are many that aren't, you know, from the CPG background. We work with a company called Hello Alice, which is an amazing AI enabled platform that supports diverse and minority entrepreneurs. We have a big program with them under our Woman Made banner, which provides webinars, expert advice, office hours, resources as to how to get funding when we're doing funding challenges, etc. And there are many other organizations on the Hello Alice platform that are offering resources and support. It also is super clever because it's AI empowered. It allows you to input your particular area of interest, your business Uh, your business problem to solve, the type of business you're in, and also geographically. And then the algorithm helps to identify the optimum resources available either on the website, on the platform, or indeed in your area that you may not be aware of that you can resource. So Alice is an amazing one. There are many, many others like them. There's a huge amount happening at local government level in local communities. So more and more women in particular are reaching out to access those But also from a CPG perspective, I always tell the story of I was at a conference about a year ago and Reese Witherspoon spoke at the conference and it was a lot of CPG companies just like my own. And she said, you know, you guys have so much power in your brands. Your brands are in every home in America. And imagine if you use those brands to bring positive messages of how we can drive societal change. And that was a wonderful wakening up call for me to go. I can use the brands that I have to talk about female founders, to make people aware of the issues that they face, and to rally people behind them to get supporting them. So for example, Stacey's Pit of Chips is one of the brands we have. And this year, we've taken over our bags to tell the story of female founders, to highlight the grit and determination and inspiration and community that they show, and encouraging more and more consumers to vote with their dollars and to get behind female founders. And we We plan to do a lot more than that. So, I think, in summary, there are a lot more resources. They're often in places you least expect. But I would highly encourage women. Now is your time. You know, you have the, you have a voice, and you have a lot of people aware of these tensions and these issues, and a lot of people who are vested in changing them. And I and I truly hope you can harness the resources that are out there.
1: Now, I love that spoken so eloquently. Let's talk about the actual challenge. You received more than a hundred applications and I you know the list broken out is is so impressive. I mean, four of the ten finalists were certified B corps. Half of them were founded by moms, and three of the companies have gluten- free products. I mean it's very diverse. So you had to have the enormous task of narrowing it down to ten finalists and then the three winners. What criteria did you use to choose the finalists and then in turn the three winners?
0: Yes, I will say one thing as I start. It was probably the hardest job I've ever had to do in my life. They were amazing companies. I mean, the amount of applications we got in such a short period of time is incredible. The quality of these companies that these women have found is just outstanding. I tell my own team, I said, you better watch out because these brands are going to be big very, very soon. So it was um, it was wonderfully encouraging and heartening as well as challenging to know narrow it down the three criteria that we used which we believe in our day-to-day business is a good is, is is part of how we judge the potential of a brand in our own portfolio let alone outside our the first one is how strong was your business idea how strong was your product idea within that how strong was your design identity did you have a strong brand story to tell so had you thought about the story that you were telling consumers, and did you have a product or service that lived up to that and that was of high quality and that would engage with consumers today and tomorrow? The second, which was very important for us, and I think Judy is, I think is a little bit unique for us in our journey to support female founders. We passionately believe that having societal purpose or a deep societal mission at the heart of a company is a real sign of a potential successful company in the years to come. We believe consumers feel it's important and we believe it will be a strong indicator of economic success in the future. So we have that as a very important number, too, that you must have a clear purpose or mission that is giving back to the community or supporting the environment. And every one of these 10 finalists, indeed, almost all of the 100 had it, which goes to show the calibre and the amazingness of these women, that they also believe in back of society and the community as part of how they show up. And the final criteria was future potential. So did we believe that you had a vision as to where you wanted to go did we believe you had product ideas or service ideas as to how you were going to grow your company did you not only know what you were doing well today but where you thought your company could go tomorrow so there were the three criteria and and the three the 10 finalists did very well the three winners did very well and Sashi on the podcast with me today did amazingly well her brand and her story which I can't wait for her to tell you about is just outstanding it's outstanding and it was almost top marks all around without revealing the scores for for tea drops so we we were we were blown away by the quality in each and every one of them in particular the winner.
1: Well, fabulous. Then there were three grants. It was $100,000. And it, the winners received 50, 30 and 20, respectively. How will these grants be used to support the brands and the women entrepreneurs?
0: The wonderful thing about when we award funding, Judy, and we're very clear about this in every competition or challenge we do, is that it is it, the money is handed over. And it is totally up to the winners to decide what to do with it. And that's because everybody's business is different. Everybody's business is at a different stage and everybody has different needs. So we are no strings attached. We hand over that money and it is for the women to decide how best to invest that money to grow their business. And and each and every one of them had some wonderful ideas that they shared with us about what they would do with the funding, whether it was grow their digital marketing budget, whether it was grow their e-commerce presence, whether it was use it to invest in quality procedures, whether it was to recruit additional resources, et cetera. We can obviously, if they ask for our advice or if our view, we will give it, but we believe they know their businesses even better than us. And, and we're sure that and we're excited that we will see them reap the return on investment from the awards. OK,
1: great. Well, let's hear from the first place winner herself, Sashi Chaudron. She's the founder of Tea Drops and Tea Drops are organic shaped teas that dissolve instantly in hot water. And what's really cool is they generate 20% less waste than traditional tea packaging, which I think is, is, is a totally awesome idea. So Sashi, again, congratulations. And like I said, your product is amazing and you should be really proud of it. Can you tell us what inspired your product and your mission?
2: Yes, of course, and I think before I get into that, I want to um, give a big thanks to Kira, to the to lay team, to the Hello Alice community. I think this challenge was incredible in really just spotlighting awareness around female founders, but more so giving us an opportunity to share our story and to continue the work and mission that we're on. And so first, I just want to say thank you so much for that opportunity. Um, So I can tell you the story about about Tea Drops. Um, I started this company back in 2015. um, And prior to that, you know, I came from a pretty tea-centric household. My mom's Chinese. My dad's from Sri Lanka. My dad was actually born on a tea estate and um, worked in the tea trade before immigrating to the U.S. So both my parents are immigrants and I grew up with a pretty uh, heavy tea centric culture. So I would have whole leaf tea at any family gatherings, family dinners, and just really enjoy the benefits of loose leaf tea growing up in that it's more aromatic and flavorful than bag tea. And it was something that really connected me to my family and to my extended relatives and community. And I saw that firsthand. You know, in a lot of Asian cultures, tea is a staple in in the culture and in the community. But then I, you know, grew up and I started working in Silicon Valley. I was at a pretty fast-paced e-commerce company running meeting to meeting. And I noticed this, this um my own frustration of not being able to fully brew my tea before running to my next meeting. You know, whole leaf tea takes anywhere from three to seven minutes to brew. You need a lot of tools to, to steep it from a kettle to a strainer. Um, and then you have to add sugar and cream. And by the time you make it, you have to run to the next meeting. And tea bags really don't have that same arom- aromatics and flavor. And so I that sent me off on a journey to experiment with different tea blends and varieties. And I didn't know I was going to come up with a formulation like Tea Drops, but. After experimenting in my apartment kitchen at the time for about a year and a half, I came up with this notion of a tea drop, which is a whole leaf tea that's finely ground and compressed together with other spices and lightly sweetened uh, cane sugar. So you just drop it in hot water, you stir it. It's like a bath bomb, except it's tea. So it cuts down the waste of a tea bag, steeps instantly, and you can take it anywhere on the go, whether you're at your office, at home, or, or even camping.
1: And and currently, you know, let, since we're talking about the actual product line, how mm-hmm. many different flavors do you
2: have? So we have over 15 varieties at, the, at this time, all the way from green tea to white tea to black teas, um, really across the spectrum. And we come up with really unique flavor profiles like citrus ginger, rosal gray. We kind of step away from traditional tea sets and put our own twist on it and use fresh herbs and fresh spices. Awesome. I think
1: that's great. What were the biggest obstacles you faced as a female entrepreneur and how did you overcome those hurdles? Well,
2: I think Kira really nailed it on the head. I think that one of the biggest challenges when you're first starting is really just getting that validation around your product and getting the funding that you need to scale and grow it. I personally, when I started, you know, I bootstrapped Myself and put all my personal savings into growing tea drops. And at some point, I knew that I needed additional funding in order to scale it, to hire the right people, to expand our manufacturing. And then I learned about angel investors and and venture capital investors, and learned about that ecosystem, what's what's required, how to pitch. And it took me talking to over ninety individuals, I want to say, before we ended up raising our our seed round. And, you know, I can't compare that to anyone else's experience. I will say that was, that was a lot, you know, just, just kind of from a, from a emotional and mental standpoint, that was a lot to day to day to overcome and just go back to the drawing board, revise my pitch, revise my strategy of how to even approach raising, raising capital. And I can't say that, you know, it's, it's less easy for anyone else. But I do think that the narrative is different when when w- women are raising money. This is what I've noticed in general, that generally when women are raising money, it's the investors are asking, well, you know, do you have a contingency plan? Kind of like the, the narrative is around how are you not going to lose my money? Whereas with men, I find that it's, oh, well, how how big can this opportunity be? And huh. so I just feel like the narrative and approach itself is very different when You know when men and women are are raising Um, and i do think that that's changing and i'm very happy to see that Um, but that's that's some of the obstacles i feel i personally face when raising
1: well it's definitely one that i can see you in the future helping guide a lot of other female entrepreneurs uh, down that road so congratulations on that now let's talk about the actual product you really take pride in your products they're made they're usda organic they're made with fair trade ingredients that often means that cost is is more. It's more to manufacture, mm-hmm. it's more to secure those ingredients. Uh, why is this so important to your business model?
2: You know, I think Kara touched upon this a bit, but I recognized early on that my product and brand could be this platform for societal change. I didn't think about it in a grandiose way, but I did think that if I can make small decisions early on about our supply chain, about our ingredient profile, about how I wanted employees to be treated, then that, and that that itself would cascade into the customer experience, into um, the quality of how the tea drop was made and manufactured, produced. And I think that's been true that people know that we are using the highest grade ingredients in our product. We're using a really fair. Um, an equitable supply chain that, you know, over 80% of tea estate workers are women and yet they're often paid 30 to 40% less than male counterparts. So fair trade ensures that they're paid an equitable wage um, all the way to the organic sourcing of our teas, that that's something you can taste in our product. And that's something that that's messaging that we can now relay through our packaging, through our social channels um, and through our brand messaging that really, that this is not just an innovative tea, but there is an experience and there's a set of values behind it.
1: Absolutely, and I really like that uh, you do do the storytelling, which is obviously a huge component to a brand's success in this day and age. Mm -hmm. You know, your website is very informative, your packaging is phenomenal. What's the next step for your company and how are you gonna use this $50,000 to further your position as an innovator in the tea space?
2: Yeah, I mean, we were so uh, grateful to receive this $50,000 grant, and it couldn't have come at a better time, just given what's what's happening in, in the current state of affairs. I think we're going to utilize this grant to continue our mission and our ability to convey our brand values. And for us, because we mostly sell direct-to-consumer online, that means really increasing our e-commerce presence in the form of informative content, digital marketing. Um, but really, this this particular grant is going to go towards, you know, now more than ever, social and online content is king. And I think especially in this climate, there's a, there's going to be a need for a lot more informative content and and figuring out new ways to connect with our consumer, just given that, you know, we might not have the immediate opportunity to do so in person or on shelf. And so I plan to invest this grant into creating educational content. And content that really resonates with our consumer base. 90% of our customers are female, uh, they're millennials, 60% of them are moms. And so we want to maintain the community feel and be able to create value added content that serves their lives and, and their everyday needs and transition that, you know, because we're not able to necessarily do that immediately in store right now, but transition that need um, and serve it online.
1: Okay, great. Well, great things to come uh, for sure. And I really appreciate both of you being on the line today. I am in awe of both of your uh, dedication to this industry. And I hope that uh, only good things come from now into the future.